to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to The Question of Trust. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is Thursday, February 15th in the year 2024. We have a lot of things going on. It's a big day. And I'm going to talk a little bit about Flemingsburg, Kentucky, because something came up very suddenly we're going to maneuver on. And then I, and we have some other news of some other things going on. But in the meantime, the world's falling apart, if you didn't know. And um, it's getting crazier by the day. And it's all part of a this question, really, of who we can trust. This is literally insaneville right now. And we have gotten to a point where the political officials have been so in bed with their own power and their own belief systems and so out of touch with what's really going on, or at least so insulated from the effects of things, we're going to have to ask some hard questions about integrity and other great things about our leadership, including Trump. I'm going to play a clip here in a minute for you to think about this, because there's been some legitimate questions put to me, which has been my position on President Trump, which quite frankly, over the last, since 2020, I think I've moved, I've flip-flopped a bunch of times. And that's the whole challenge. And the problem with this is that we're trying to sort our way through and we're having to choose imperfect and imperfect sometimes becomes so distasteful. I don't know where the answer lies other than in God. We know that. So there it is. Before we get going tonight, we do have an outstanding opportunity to keep yourself prepared and, and ensure the protection of your own savings, and that's with Birch Gold. Birch Gold's our group to go to for IRAs, 401ks, and knowledge on using precious metals to back your retirement savings. It's a crazy world, and they are definitely trying to push into the CBDC and a variety of other things. And with that, there is a, an entire concept of making sure that your money stays in paper so they can turn it into digits so they can control every bit of it. That's the ultimate goal. So Birch Gold is that group to go to. If you've got an existing IRA or 401k, they can transfer that over at no additional cost to you. They can also do a precious metals-backed account, and they have can also advise you on how to set one up. So to get hold of them, you simply need to text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. That's BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. And with that, um, you will get a free information packet, and we will be you will be able to make some good assessments, get informed, and give them a call and help them advise you along the way. So there you go. All right, let me start with Flemingsburg. Flemingsburg, Kentucky, where we had BARDS Fest last fall. And it's really an, an amazing opportunity. If you were there or if you followed online, you know that we prayed on it because Willie, the owner of the property, wants it to go to Bars Nation. And something has come up to kind of accelerate that decision. And there's been, I had a discussion with him tonight and he's made some, there's some amazing offers that have been made to this. And so we're going to start a fundraising initiative tomorrow to raise an initial amount for an escrow, which is $25,000. And then there's an amount down that we're going to raise towards, which is the exact amount is four seventy-five, four hundred seventy-five thousand. in which at that point we can roll it into a contract to carry the rest of the note over 10 years. The property is self-sustaining. It will be a home for Bards Fest, for Bards Nation. And it will be a place that we can now build out and do twice events, Bars Fest at least twice a year. There's going to be ongoing festivals, and it obviously is a camping setup. And for those of you that were there, you know how ideal it is. So this has been growing and building for some time, 
it's uh, something we've been praying on a lot, and suddenly it just broke. I mean, like, the, it was yesterday to today, yesterday afternoon to today, like, literally, like, what do you want to do? And so we prayed on it. I prayed on it. Like, okay, we're going to move forward with it. So I'm going to get more information. We're going to get a web page up on it. We're going to have multiple ways to donate. And um, whether you want to donate online, be part of this, this is really the anchoring and expansion of Bars Nation Ministry, and it puts it in a great place in the center of the country. It's got camping facilities, as you know. It has a huge outdoor amphitheater, which is what we were there for. And Willie's even wanting to build a baptismal beach and or a couple designs he has so that we can do baptisms in the lake that's there. Pretty fantastic. So there's a lot of things we're going to put together on this very quickly, and it will be quite an event. So um, this is the initiative, and we're going to put it out here. This is part of what God put in my heart this year to start making initiatives to start establishing locations for us, and this is the first of them. And like I said, this just happened. I literally, I, I finished moving cattle, which people are man asking for a cattle update. I'll give you that in just a moment. I've been moving cattle and getting them off of the lower pasture and getting a fence temporarily fixed so I don't have my calf running out like it did the other day and setting up, starting to set up a new feeding area, which I'll finish over the weekend and all those things. And then once I got to kind of a point and got my lower gate closed, I gave Willie a call and it was just like game on. He's super excited. And this is exactly what he's prayed on and wants this property to become the center point and in the control of Bars Nation. So it's a really amazing offer. And it's um, it's an aggressive uh, fundraising initiative. There's no question about it. I don't think we've ever directly done anything like this. Though I will say this, we raised close to that amount of money for Bards Fest 1. We did it at an amazing speed. So um, we're going to put this out there. And um, we've been praying on it. And I have no doubt that God's behind this. It's been too much and too, too many th amazing things that have lined up perfectly on this. And so we'll pray on it again tonight, but this door has been open and, it, and it's an opportunity in a moment of time that it's like, it's now or never because of what's coming down the pipe. And so I'm like, okay, let's do it. So we'll ask that you join us in prayer on this. And prayers are the most important part of all of this always, because this is how we come together. And we'll have a fundraising page up by Saturday. I'm going to say, try to get it done by tomorrow. But we'll do it by Saturday. And I've got to do a couple of things. I've got to set up a separate bank account so we can have the money just go there. It's, it's not going to be co collated with any other money. We want to have a pure accounting on it. And I want as close to 100% of those donations. When I say that, there's going to be always fees with the bank. There may be a few extra overhead expenses, like if I have to go out and, and meet there and do some assessments for fundraising there. But other than that, for the most part, the idea is to put 100% of that money towards what we're doing. And that's, there's no diversion. So I want to make it very clean, open accounting so everybody can see it. There's no thing, nothing there. This becomes a, a, a facility for Bards Nation and it's going to be pretty amazing. And this is about sewing in, you know, I don't believe in nonprofits. So if you're looking for a tax deduction, not going to happen here. This is about sewing in and helping build something for kingdom. And that's literally what Willie said. He said, this is the right way to put it because I want this property to go to a group of people that can help build something for kingdom. So I'm super excited about this. Um, a lot to process, especially since <laughs> I did that and I got back at the desk like at 6.43 and I'm like, oh, I got to do a show tonight. So I've been throwing together a show, which we'll have a good show tonight. But I wanted to share that news with you. It's super fantastic. And then we will move forward together and whatever that looks like. So this is pretty incredible. And uh, just, again, I ask that you lift prayers on it and be part of that prayer for us. And uh, let's get the word out and see if we can rally what we need. It's, it's a huge opportunity. And it is an amazing facility. And I've already shared with him some of my vision because they have a blues bluegrass festival every year. I would like to see Christian music events every year with new startups, not with big names. I'd like to see we're going to have two Bards Fest there a year, spring and fall, and then we'll have other events there, and we'll just start letting God lead, and it will be amazing. So it's it's going to be really something that'll be on the map, and it's interesting too because it's only if you know where the the no the uh, Ark experience is, it's only about an 
hour and a half from the ARC experience, which is another big deal. So, I mean, if you people came there, there's other things to do that are all related to that center point of God. So anyway, that's the big news for right now. It's good. It's good, good news. And we'll just, we'll pray on that tonight. Um, I, I have listened to part of this. I, I'm going to just say cautiously, I don't, I didn't listen to all of it, but it is, is one of these moments. I just have to play this because this is some guy that literally just came to the school board and just let them know how he felt. And um, he didn't hold back. I wanted you to hear this. This is just kind of cracking me up because we need more of this. So here we go. And, and if there's a lang- I only caution you, I haven't screened it fully for language warning. I don't think there's a major language issue. But just in case you're concerned, there might be. So here we go. To see a bunch of fat, ugly women. <gasps> An update about this old man that decided to walk into the school board and let his intrusive thoughts win. Good evening, cowards. Nice to see a bunch of fat, ugly women. <gasps> and this- Excuse you. What? Can we see the agenda? No. No, 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 no. They're fat, ugly women is what they are. Let's talk about it. You don't have to buy. It's called free speech. Buy. That's not free speech. That's insulting. The man named Rich was upset about the book called Boy Toy being allowed in the student library, accusing teachers at the school of ruining kids' minds. So why, when we have these, these pathetic people here called teachers, rape children's mind, doctrinating people? That's why you people don't have the brains to see that this could be hurting children of the future. Excuse me? You don't tell me how to speak. Well, Shut up and give me my five. Of- Bye, girls. The boy toy book was allowed to stay at the kids' library. But what do you think about this? Was he right or wrong? Of course we know he was right. It's not even an issue. I, I, it's obviously it was a kind of a rough edit. They've brought it down. And, but nonetheless, I think it's pretty funny. We start hearing that. Look, here's one of the challenges we have right now, and it is sorting out who is real and who is not, right? A big deal. Um, oh, wait a minute. I told you I was going to give you a cow update. People have been asking me for this. All right, so we got crazy man at the school board. Now we'll go back to some reality, and then we'll jump into the thing. Um, cow update. Okay, all calves are accounted for. We had lost one. I lost one early on. If you remember, that was back in November. That was the third, second or third calf. It was a third calf, actually. I was down in Tucson, and I got notice that that calf had died and had been eaten by coyotes and, and eagles. I'm pretty sure that the combination of, the, of a snap cold and a weak calf were a part of it. It was very traumatizing on the mama. She seems to be doing okay now. And I think she's the one that my bull has taken a liking to, so that's good because I think she's got some companionship and probably will be very soon on, she'll be pregnant again, so that's good. Um, but we have the total number now. We had, I had 16 cows and one bull, so that's 17 in the herd. There are now 15 little calves that are running around that are full of energy, and they are they are troublemakers to many degrees, and they are um, taking over everything. You can't if you've been around calves, you know that when you put out hay. Half the calves are going to find a way to nuzzle into the hay and, and go to sleep in it while the mothers try to eat, which is good. I'm in the process right now of moving the feeding area, which turned into be a big muddy mess. We've had a lot of rain in Oregon this year, and it's actually a normal Oregon winter, but that hasn't had a normal Oregon winter for a while. So praise God, we are having a normal Oregon winter, which means we will have a wonderful spring and summer with regards to water and our water table, which is wonderful because it's a slow drizzle, which is the best water to have. And it's been steadily raining. So we're getting deep soaks into the ground, getting our water tables back up, etc. But that also means your fields get very muddy. And the lower field has turned into, we have about 17 acres down below. The lower field has turned into a massive muddy mess uh, to the point that in certain areas you will quickly sink into about two feet of mud, in the, especially with the feeding area. So I've been moving the feeding area down to a graveled area that we had uh, out, which was where we've stored the hay. Um, and I haven't quite got the fence all fixed there yet. So they have found a way to get into the hay, which I can't, I'm just not even fighting them anymore. I just opened up a couple round bales for them tonight just to feed, so they quit ravaging the rest of the round bales. Um so they're eating. There's a group of them down there. The bull and his his girlfriends are down there. 
And then he's there's a bunch of calves that are down there. And then there's another group that I went up and got some square bale hay tonight because it's easier to throw out. And I fed them up on the upper hill. I was able to get all the cows off to the lower acreage, pull them up, shut the gate off. So we're now got everybody moved. That was tonight's effort. And fully accounted for at a total herd size of 32, which is outstanding. And so what the plan is here is going forward in the next next month, we'll be banding and and injecting them with ivermectin and giving them some fly treatment and getting a brand to put on the calves. I think I'm going to register the brand B-O-W Bow for parts of, someone suggested Beef of War, which effectively that'll work. Beef of War, that's fine. Bards of War, Beef of War, whatever. It's all good. So that's that's where we'll be, I think, is the brand. And oh, someone said, explain banding. This is the Conley, the cattleman himself, said explain banding. Uh, banding is when you, you're going to castrate them, and instead of cutting, you use a, an expandable rubber band type thing, and it just squeezes it off. And then over time, it, it uh, the skin literally... It kills off the testicles, and then the skin actually binds and becomes, and the testicles just basically fall off. You have to, the skin heals itself together, and then the, the testicles fall off. It is, there's two types. You can cut or you can band. You can actually cut them off and banding them off. There's pros and cons to each. I'm going to follow the method that is used right around here because I've got some support, some people here locally that are actually the, it's Ed and Michelle Stratton. And they're locally to me. And Ed and I were one year apart in high school. We knew each other then, so it was kind of nice to reconnect. So his wife has got 150 head, and so we're going to be doing this together. So that's kind of the reason we're going that direction rather than cutting. Some people like cutting. Some people like banding. Um, I'm going to follow the banding method. We're going to use ivermectin for deworming and other things, and then we're going to use some fly treatment and basically keep them, for the most part, vax-free. So... That's it. And that's that's kind of where they are. So we're pushing that way. And just so to the bigger vision here is we're developing a, a model for raising. Well, my goal here is to, on the 80 acres, which there would be about, probably about 60 acres of grazable land, um, that has to, there's some improvements that have to be made this year. And then the idea is to build a model to where I can run about 45 head on 60 acres. And that's pushing it, honestly. But as long as there's feeding going on, which is a good thing, and good field rotation and some and some seeding to build up the grass in the areas, this will be a very productive 80 or 60 acres. And we'll be able to push the window on that, which is right at the limit because we should be running. That's a, that's a little bit, it's about an acre, a little bit less or a little bit more than an acre ahead. And we probably should be running more like an acre and a half, but we'll be all right especially with this grass. And that'll give a nice example of a small ranch and productivity with the with this year, which the butchery will be built this year. And that'll be a big deal. And so there'll be an on-farm butchery here, on-ranch butchery. And that will all start to come together. So these cows here, these cattle, are not going to be uh, up for butchery for another year, right? So they, the calves are going to take, it's a two-year cycle. And so part of that, I'm going to be buying four feeder uh, steers in the spring, probably next month. And they'll come in, and then those will be what I butcher this year. And then the following year will be the calves that we want to butcher. So, And we'll keep some heifers aside. And then somewhere in there, I'll be selling some animals. So we'll see how that goes. But anyway, all that. So that's your cattle update from the, the Bards Nation training facility. I don't know what we're going to call this thing. Anyway, that's what it is. And then ultimately, that's what this whole idea is. As you know, this facility is going to be built out so that we're able to roll in people to give them. And and this is actually, I'll tell you honestly where this is headed. We're working on a, a plan right now to where this will be a center point for special forces veterans that are dealing with either vax injury or um, vax injury and PTSD to have them come in and cycle through here and to get some healing and some prayer and to create a really solid space for that. So that's part of what this vision is going to be. And then there's some other things for preparing the saints for the work in the ministry. But all things will start to connect, and we'll be talking more about that as we go. So there you go. So that's real, and that you can trust on. 
the problem we have is we've got a ridiculously stupid group of people, and they're pedophiles for the most part, and they're freaks that have been leading this nation. And one of the big questions right now, and we have to, we're going to have to start looking at this honestly, and this was what struck me today, was an article um, that came out by from it was an interview, and it's a Substack actually, and the Substack is by Mark Crispin Miller. And here's the headline on this, and it's like Trump spent ten billion dollars on U.S. depopulation. That was a quote from Catherine Austin Fitz. So I have and most. I have the highest respect for. I would love to get her on the show. We've been working on that for like over a year. We'll see if we can do it. Um, the question is, and this is a reference to Trump, was he a full accomplice in the killing program or just a tool manipulated into it? Either way, we need him in we need him in the White House just as much as we need old Joe Biden there. It's an important question. I want to play this short clip for you. It's important that we don't forget these things, as awkward as it may be for somebody, for some people. Please listen to this. I have really good news. Today, our nation has achieved a medical miracle. We have delivered a safe and effective vaccine in just nine months. This is one of the greatest scientific accomplishments in history. I am the chosen one. Somebody had to do it. No medical breakthrough of this scope and magnitude has ever been achieved this rapidly, this quickly. And then people don't want it. And it probably even affects the others because, you know, there's a big situation with a lot of people don't want to take the vaccine. Well, this played right into their hands. And they want me to do public service messages and everything about everybody taking the vaccine. And look, I guess in a certain way, I'm the father of the vaccine because I was the one that pushed it. The vaccine is one of the greatest achievements of mankind. When will there be a vaccine? Now, let me stop there for a minute because this is Bill Gates. And this is why um, this piece here is stunning because we have, we don't like Bill Gates, but... Listen to what he says. When will there be a vaccine? People like myself and Tony Fauci are saying 18 months. If everything went perfectly, we could do slightly better than that. But there will be a trade-off. We'll have less safety testing than we typically would have. And so governments will have to decide, you know, do they indemnify the companies and really say, let's, let's go out with this uh, when it's, we just don't have the time to do what we normally do. You can run into safety issues. So we're gonna to have to take something that usually takes five or six years and get it done in 18 months. If you wanna wait and see if a side effect shows up two years later, uh, that takes two years. Takes two years. We are dealing with this, the consequence of a really, really bad decision, or it was a malicious plan, and I think it was a little bit of both, to destroy the United States, depopulate the world, and to set the agenda in play for us to be overrun with a replacement strategy on the southern border. These are difficult things. And I've said this before. I can walk you through, and I think I even said it this morning, in fact, I can walk you through this scenario of what I call the Kobayashi Maru scenario, which is literally that scenario from Star Trek with Captain James T. Kirk, he had a, it was the no-win scenario, and the only way that he ended up winning it is he reprogrammed the scenario, and he got uh, he got accolades for basically cheating. And we can walk that. I can walk you through sentiment analysis, and I can walk you through how Trump's actions could have been based on a Kobayashi Maru scenario, and that he did the best he could. I can I can walk you through through sentiment analysis to tell you that they knew predictably what group of people would take it, and they had to make a decision because there was no stopping, and I can do all that. The problem is we don't know his heart, and we don't know the real motives, and a decision was made to, at a certain point, which followed, and I always go back to this, in March of 2020, when he showed that displayed the idea that we could use, we could use HCQ at the time, not even ivermectin, and chlorine dioxide and light therapy as ways to, of alternative therapies to solve the problem. Now, what is the onus and burden of President Trump? And the, when we get into this, 
We have to look very honestly at the amount of money that was dropped on this. It was $10 billion on a program funded through the, through the Department of Defense. And President Trump took open ownership, which we screamed bloody murder not to do. And he did. And he took it. So I just want to be very clear. When people say to me, and I, I'm, I'm taking this comment seriously because I think it's a fair assessment. That's why I saw it on, on, on Potbean comments. They said, you know, make up your mind. You're all over on Trump. That's just it. There isn't a clean answer here. Okay, there isn't a clean answer. Because in this state of where things are, just like when you look back at Kilroy Rising, which was the super PAC I ran for President Trump with a letter, very much like the DMA that we signed on, endorsing President Trump with over 100 special operations of veterans on that. There were actually some active duty on that as well. The reason we endorsed President Trump wasn't that he was the best option. It was what he was, we endorsed him because General Flynn was standing with him. And General Flynn's reputation in the military was exemplar. So we have, a, we have a challenge here before us, and it's integrity and it's authenticity, and it's truly who we can trust. Because the problem with this agenda as we are moving forward, we are finding more and more that this agenda is one of trying to move the public towards a new way of living. If you analyze even the Q program, that was put out there with the informational stuff that was put there, whether you want to call it a PSYOP or whether you want to call it a real, uh, an actual narrative. The narrative, either way, this narrative was about bringing something new to you that we have never had before. And it's very parallel to what Klaus Schwab just recently said at the world, this World Leadership Forum. And it's a, it's a very disturbing parallel when you start to listen to this and realize that a lot of what we're hearing, and we're hearing it even in, like President Trump mentioned, he says, you know, a while back, he said, you know, we're, we are, we're at a place where we're going to build 10 new cities and we're building 10 new cities. And so we're like, oh, this is great. And then, of course, some of us like me, we're like, this sounds a whole lot like building, you know, the plan cities. I've played this. I think I played this last night. I want to play this again. This is Klaus Schwab's under this context. And I want you to think about this idea of the new era of technology after all what we've been through in this concept of internet of things and genetic engineering and all of these things that they want in this new fourth industrial revolution. Ultimately, when we look at the funding lines of what President Trump pushed for, which were backed by people that were around him, including military leadership, all of those things were there. Quantum computing, genetic engineering, 3D, Internet of Things, 3D printing, all of those aspects, 5G to 6G, like this whole 5G net that they're putting up is already prepped for 6G. And so there's this technological race going on of who's going to be predominant, and it includes artificial intelligence. So you really have to ask yourself very seriously, and there's a lot of people in this techie concept that think that this is a wonderful way and I kind of sort back and go, okay, where is going to be the where's going to be the line on this, and where is this going to get us back to an integral and an ethical shift in our nation? The answer is it's not. So I'm going to play this Klaus Schwab clip again, and I do note that Tucker Carlson is in the front row for whatever that's worth. But take a listen. And when I was speaking here seven years ago, after having written a book about the fourth industrial revolution. I showed how this revolution will change how we live, how we act, how we communicate, how we produce, and how we consume. Now, we are speaking not just about the fourth industrial revolution. We are speaking about the transition of humankind into a new era, which is not just characterized by technological change. A new era where humankind will enjoy many more opportunities and possibilities. It's a transition. It's a transition from the, we first had the transition about 100 years ago, from the agricultural society to the industrial society. But today, we speak about the transition into what I would call the intelligent age. And I did something maybe unusual, 
I took ChatGPT, and I had a long discussion with ChatGPT, with my pot, if I may say so, to see how this new era will look like. And finally, I had about 20 pages of text, and I asked ChatGPT, summarize the text and tell me now, based on our discussion, how will the new era, the intelligent era, look like? And I read you the text. Envisioning a future propelled by the technologies of the fourth industrial revolution, we see a new dawn of human civilization, one that harmonizes technology with the deepest needs and aspirations of humanity. This vision unfolds within a society where artificial intelligence, robotics, the internet of the things, 3D printing, genetic engineering, quantum computing become the foundations of our daily life. Yeah, we're all excited about that. That is, um, just to go through a few of those things, this thing is a response by ChatGPT. You literally have an AI telling us what this new future is going to be like. That is telltale of this entire vision of the future. Humanity becomes subservient to an AI. And this is where all of this momentum is going in this crazy race to try to manage a system that is global and completely out of control. If you've been following the new currency trends, and we don't know if this is exactly where it's going, but it looks to be, it looks to be that XRP is going to be the back end to this new digital currency. And XRP is going to be, have to be managed because in the idea of this, every single process, every single transaction is going to be tracked, whether it's a CBDC or whether it is something else. There is a concept in this new era. They're going to sell. They've already tried to sell it. They're going to sell it this way. We want to get rid of illicit money, illegal transfers, black market monies. They want to get rid of this. What they're saying is they want to channel everything into their control. And it's disturbing. And when we start to look at this, not one mention, obviously, we wouldn't want Klaus Schwab to mention it anyway, because if it did, it would be out of character. But not one mention of the destruction of humanity that's happened because of this vax. And it's becoming swept under the rug. We're in the transition of humanity. In other words, we had to slaughter a whole bunch of you because you were in the way. And the war on white America has continued because they want that out of the way. They want to breed that out as much as possible. And we get to a place where literally we are trying to see where we are looking at a world where they want to see us subservient to their master plan, okay? This, this is a major problem, and it, it's a, it, it is an issue now that as we, we come in here, we're asking again, the question of trust, who can we trust? And it's going to come down to really our understanding and our appreciation of what it is to be in a republic and to stand in a republic and understand that we were given our rights by God, not by a democracy where a small group of people can take them away and that we have the right to stand. Now, here's, here's the one of the colliding theories that goes along here is that there is a, an increasing trend in the United States to get back to basics, fundamentally anchored to the land, and then there's an, another increasing trend to become more technological. The entire idea of Internet of Things, of genetic engineering, all of these things together are part of a bigger issue, which is destroying humanity at its very root and core and creating a new species, which is no longer of God. That is really at the core of much of this, and it's a problem. I want you to listen to this piece. It's quite disturbing when you listen to the sense of it. And to set it up, this is a um, cancer genomics researcher from University of Southern Carolina or South Carolina, and he is looking at the fact that these Pfizer vaccines are contaminated with a plasmid DNA it's not just mRNA. And this is where this is Professor Philip Buckholtz, 
PhD in biochemistry and molecular biology. Take a listen to this. Hanlon's razor, which is never attribute malice to that which can be better explained by incompetence. And so I'm trying to be gracious here in many in circumstances. There could be malice underneath, but I'm trying to see just incompetence to be gracious. So the Pfizer uh, vaccine is contaminated with plasma DNA. It's not just mRNA. It's got bits of DNA in it. This DNA is the DNA vector that was used um, as the template for the in vitro transcription reaction when they made the mRNA. Um, I know this is true because I sequenced it in my own lab. The vials of Pfizer vaccine that were given out here in Columbia, uh, one of my colleagues was in charge of that vaccination program in the College of Pharmacy. And for reasons that I still don't understand, he kept every single vial. Um, so he had a whole freezer full of the empty vials. Well, the empty vials have a little tiny bit in the, in the bottom of them. He gave them all to me, and I looked at them. We had two batches that were given out here in Columbia, and I checked these two batches, and I checked them by sequencing. And I sequenced all the DNA that was in the vaccine, and I can see what's in there. And it's surprising that there's any DNA in there, and you can kind of work out what it is and how it got there, and I'm kind of alarmed about the possible consequences of this, both in terms of human health and biology, but you should be alarmed about the regulatory process that allowed it to get there. So this DNA, in my view, it could be causing some of the rare but serious side effects like death from cardiac arrest. There's a lot of cases now um, of people having suspicious death after vaccine. It's hard to prove what caused it. It's just, you know, temporarily associated. Um, and this DNA is a plausible mechanism. Okay. Uh, this DNA uh, can and likely will integrate into the genomic DNA of cells that got transfected with the vaccine mix. This is just the way it works. We do this in the lab all the time. We take pieces of DNA, we mix them up with a, a lipid complex like the Pfizer uh, vaccine is in. We pour it onto cells, and, and a lot of it gets into the cells, and a lot of it gets into the DNA of those cells, and it becomes a permanent fixture of the cell. It's not just a temporary, um, a temporary thing. It is in that cell and all of its progeny from now on forevermore. Amen. So that's why I'm kind of alarmed about this. DNA being in the vaccine, it's, it's, it's different from RNA because it can be permanent. This is a real hazard for genome modification of long-lived somatic cells, like stem cells, um, and it could cause, theoretically, this is all a theoretical concern, but it's pretty reasonable based on solid molecular biology, that it could cause a sustained autoimmune attack toward that tissue. It's also a very real theoretical risk of future cancer in some people, depending on where in the genome this foreign piece of DNA lands, um, it can interrupt a tumor suppressor or activate an oncogene. I think it'll be rare, but I think the risk is not zero, and it may be high enough that we are to figure out if this is happening or not. And again, the, the, the autoimmunity thing is not my wheelhouse. I'm not an immunologist, but the cancer risk is. That's my bag. I know this is a thing, and it is a possibility. I noticed in the comments, somebody wrote, what do we do? And this always happens every time I bring up these truths. And we get to hard truths and people start to say, well, what, what do we do? How do we get out of this? And it's always going to, you're always going to hear me say the same things. And the first and foremost action is always in the local environment, I mean, where we live. We have to get control of our counties, county commissions, our, our, our sheriffs, the district attorneys, and the city councils. And, this, and the mayor. And ideally, we start to wipe out the corporations of the city and roll them into under the county control. So we start to pluralize that. The, the thing is, it takes local action. All of these big things is the idea is to paint the picture of the massiveness of this threat and how it has been designed to destroy us. And it has been designed to completely rework the entire interworkings fabric and interconnectivity of a nation. And they have been, to a certain degree, fairly successful at this. And that is going to rely then on us stepping into the authorities and who we truly are and starting to use those authorities both as we walk in Christ and as we also walk in our authorities in this world to make those changes, which means there's always a ground game you have to be involved in. It's not enough simply to sit on the side to prayer. You have to literally get in that game 
and start being involved and active. It's also about us coming together and building alternative economies and starting to build this outside. There is a un, there is an unavoidable clash at a certain point of the technological culture versus the culture which seeks to go Jeremiah 616, seek the ancient paths. But what we forget is the Jeremiah 616 component is rooted in the authorities given to us as sovereigns by God. This is a very important piece. The question is, do you believe that? I do. And it's not even a question of that. It's just a matter of how we build into that. There's an interesting piece here, though, that I think is very relevant, and it's to look at this, and it's, it's for me, very faith-centered. But I want you to hear this piece. She's very animated and very excited about a discovery, which I want to tie into. And it's ultimately about the most powerful frequency that we put out in the world. And this is important to understand when we walk truly in our substantial faith and our rock-solid relationship with Christ. Take a listen. What the most powerful frequency to leave the human body is because it is not what you think and it is not love because everyone is going to assume that it's love, right? I literally just watched this video and wanted to hop on here and tell you this. So according to this new project called the Spain Scale of Emotions, Spain is S-P-A-N-E, took 25,000 participants and put them in a room and they were able to measure the frequency coming out of the human body to such accuracy that they could compare anger to despair passion to elation like that's how the specific they could get on this and do you want to know what the most powerful frequency to leave the human body is authenticity authenticity was measured to be four thousand times more powerful than love how crazy is that? Love is so important. And if you think about the ego, you have to go through love to get to authenticity. And what is authenticity? Authenticity is when your words are truthful and you believe what you say. So get out there today and be authentic. Of course, love, always love. But we want to make sure that you are loving from a place of authenticity, not from a place of trying to gain other people's love or gain attention, but just authentically being yourself is the most powerful thing you can do today. Let me know your thoughts. I think it's an awesome position. And because I bring it up because when we talk about authenticity and we talk about local action and we start thinking about the counties in this nation. I think there's what I, I've lost count now. I want to say there's like 3,300 counties if I'm not mistaken, but I could be off. We need to have an action in every county and every county is when we have people walking in that authentic place of their relationship with God, a relationship with Christ, and we're taking change in our hands. You can't stop this machine. I mean, you can't, you can't, let me rephrase this. The machine can't stop us. We stop it. You know, fundamentally, I mean, people say as well, like, what do we do? And every time I drive around and I'm, I'm looking at the world and I'm going, this machine is running because we're paying it taxes too. Let's not forget that. And yet there's a fear in our culture of, of somehow either being un-American or being unpatriotic, which is horrible because that's a lie. And, and there's other fear of being like, what happens if I don't pay taxes? This government can't continue to be paid to destroy us. So when we start to combine the position of authenticity, being authentic and truly speaking truth into the places we are in our local communities and stepping in to start taking over these key positions in our county, we have to start making that change there to where we start taking the action to hold people accountable. The public is still very much asleep. They don't want to face the truth of where we are. And so I, I would say that there's a good lesson here from a young man that was on a plane and a reminder of somebody who has just like taken it to the limit. I love this. Is bold. Excuse me, everybody. Before we get off this plane, I just want to let everybody know that Jesus Christ loves you and he has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. In, in uh, February of 2021, Jesus Christ delivered me from a lifestyle of homosexuality, anxiety, depression, pornography. My wife, Jesus Christ, delivered her from drugs like LSD, weed, ecstasy, and a lukewarm Christian lifestyle. So we want to let everybody know if he can do it for nobody like me, he can do it for anybody in this world. You know, the most important question you can ask yourself, my brothers and sisters, is if you were to die today, are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? 
And the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. If you see the stuff that's going on in this world today, all the craziness that's going on, Jesus Christ is coming back really soon. So I want to encourage you guys to repent of your sins before it's too late. And one more thing, my brothers and sisters, a lot of people feel like they got to become perfect before they come to Christ. No, you come to Christ the way that you are. And he has the power in his hands to cleanse you from all sin. So I want to bless y'all with that word. Y'all have a great day. I pray that I can have a boldness just like this. If you want to see more people proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe. I think this is powerful and it's a good reminder of what it takes to step in with the confidence. So I want to, I want to share a quick story and then we're going to close with one short piece afterwards. But there was someone today who, um, an Afghan whose brother was uh, recycled back to Afghanistan and, and very concerned. And so he's obviously Muslim. And I got hold of him today and I said, I want to pray for you. And it was accepted. So I want you to hear that because these are the sorts of ways that we make change. And not only did he accept it, we prayed together. Okay. This is powerful times. And we have to start taking the lead and we have to start leading in and we have to start doing the things that don't sound normal. But we go back and we start putting Christ before in all things and we just lean in. And, and all I did today was text him and say, I want to, I want to, I said, I know we want to bring two th- two prayers together today. I said, you can pray in your way, and I want to pray for you and your family as a, as a Christian man. Will you join me? And he said, yes, and that's what we did. This is how we do this. This is how we continue to bring that fight forward. So if you're wondering the, the sort of spiritual perspective that I think that we need to have, I would say there's probably a pretty good lesson in nature of the sort of tenacity and tenaciousness that we need to have in this spiritual fight. Here we go. Who is the most badass animal on the planet? It's the honey badger. This pint-sized powerhouse is the epitome of fearlessness, toughness, and ferocity. Imagine a creature unafraid to take on lions, hyenas, and even crocodiles, regardless of its size. But wait, there's more. These rebels can survive snake venom and porcupine quills. Their thick skin laughs in the face of the sharpest claws and teeth. Plus, they're not just brawn. Honey badgers are brainiacs, using tools like sticks and stones to solve problems. Shocking, right? And that's not all. They have a personality as unique as their reputation. Curious, playful, and sometimes a bit mischievous. But don't be fooled by their playful antics. They are serious when it comes to protecting themselves and their territory. There you have it. The honey badger is no ordinary creature. It's a living, breathing embodiment of don't judge a book by its cover. Small in size, colossal in badassery. They demonstrate what makes an animal truly special. Be a honey badger. In the spiritual place, be a honey badger. And that's the most important piece here. And when we're that way and you're, you're walking in authenticity and you're walking truly in assuming and commanding the power of kingdom, we change this world. We change it from bottom up. We don't worry about what's up the top. And we have our trust in God to bring justice, and it will happen. And they don't get to steer us into this abyss that they want to put us in. It's that simple. So when they have these great forums in the world where they're coming together and you're seeing this leadership making a decision on where they're going to take humanity, humanity does have a vote. We just simply say no. And if we don't want to go where they go, we just say no. And that's where the authority comes in and we say, no, this is not of the place we want to be, and that's how we win. But it doesn't have to take to the level of violence. It takes to the level of spiritual grounding and standing on that rock of faith. And as I say so many times, Jeremiah 6, 16, seeking the ancient paths. There will be, there are those that will not follow and that's fine. But that isn't our concern because it doesn't matter the candidate, it doesn't matter the government. The mission is always the same. We are to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ and we are to bring about the fivefold ministry into the world. And that is the apostolic, the prophetic, the healing of the sick and the broken, the casting out of demons and the raising of the dead, and then to go greater and to seek the greater works. Peter walking on water with Jesus is an example. So as we walk in those places and we're commanding that authority and we're declaring that authority, we're doing the taskings that God put before us. But there is a a powerful shift coming in this world. And our prayers are critical and essential. We have to continue to pray into it, press into it, continue to work together and to continue to wield that sort of the spirit to knock out these evil principalities. We have to free regions. We have to set people's hearts free. And as we do that, to follow up with a ground game. 
And that ground game is literally in that trench fighting every day, no matter where you are, walking in the authentic truth of Jesus and speaking that into people's lives and declaring those, that fivefold ministry in your life. And as we do that, there's nothing that stands in our way. So all of this context that we build, which is heavy, there's no question about it. There is a big picture. You look here and you're like, my goodness, it is so big. How can we overcome it? And you, the only thing you have to say is, but God, because it doesn't match anything God is. And that's the lie that they want to put in your head. And that's why we look at these things. That's why we paint the pictures to have it see what they're up to and knowing that everything that they do cannot be stopped by the hand of God, but God. Patriots, let's pray. Father, we come to you today very humbled and blessed, and we thank you every day for the assembly that we have, the fellowship that we've built, and this outreach that reaches continually across the world. We closed our show today, Father, our assembly, with the concept of being the honey badger, be a honey badger. And I would say that there's many examples of that ferocity, but that's one in nature that reminds us of the fearlessness that we have to have in stepping in. One that literally will step on snakes and scorpions and not only step on them, but tear them apart with its teeth and eat them. There is a wisdom to understanding that no matter how you're boxed in, there's always a way out. And no matter what the attack is coming at you, as we stand boldly with the armor and our spiritual strength, nothing can can be forged against us that will succeed. We have to work together in the iron sharpens iron to be able to lift ourselves up and to become stronger in the moment, to lean in, to truly see that path ahead that you want us to see. So we do pray tonight for great discernment and great clarity with the eyes that you want us to see and the heart which you want us to see the world. It's a heart of love for one another. It's a heart of respect for one another's walk. It's an anchoring in the solidness of ourselves and a wisdom to know that we have to take time to reflect deeply, to reduce any sort of sense of pride or arrogance that we walk with, to be truly the meek and humble warriors that you seek us to be and, and want us to be. And in that, bring that authentic walk in the world and be active in the world. It's comforting to sit back from the outside, to try to project in, to try to be perhaps the the puppet master orchestrators, that is not what we need now. We need people on the ground. We need foot soldiers. We need the people that are walking in Christ and being the disciples and the apostles. So, Father, we pray that into people that are seek that walk to now be stepping in and being that profound moment of change. And that's how we affect change. And that's the hardest work because it's in the trenches. It's that work that is where you're literally slogging out in the mud and your boots are two feet deep in the mud, and it's tiring, and it lifts, and it weighs heavy on you. But that is, again, Father, we just pray for those burdens to be lifted off, and that path ahead, no matter how difficult it seems or feels, will be one of joy and pleasure as we move through it to understand what we represent and what we're doing and what we're accomplishing. So we pray today, Father, truly for that clarity of where you want us to be, that clarity in our heart of how you want us to see the world, and to bring that power of the gospel into the world as the fivefold ministry unfolds before us and becomes part of us, an extension of all that you are into this world. Guide us, Father, bless us. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So there's a, always hope in all of this. Because at the end of the day, any institution of man is still an institution of man. It's going to be corrupted. And it's... Interesting how that is. As kind of an addition tonight, I want to play an extra piece, something to reflect on. This is something that Tucker put out that's pretty amazing. It's a different look at Russia, not through politics, but through groceries. And it's a good reflection on our country, who we are, and the sorts of things that we need to be striving for to get rid of the corruption and the graft and to reset down to some basics. It's also a reminder of how pervasive the hatred and propaganda is in our media against this ogre known as Russia, which is nothing more than a, in the end of the day, Russians are people like we're people. Take a listen. So a longstanding feature, maybe the longest standing feature of Cold War propaganda in the West 
was the Soviet grocery store. No products, no choices, shoddily made things. And it wasn't actually propaganda, it was real. And you can look up the pictures on the internet if you want. So we thought it would be interesting to take a look at a contemporary, modern day, 2024 Russian grocery store, two years into sanctions. Here we go. All right, here we go. So I guess you put in 10 rubles here and you get it back when you put the cart back. So it's free, but there's an incentive to return it and not just bring it to your homeless encampment. Okay, this is the uh, grocery cart escalator. This is designed, I'm figuring this out now, where the wheels don't move, they lock on the grocery cart escalator. Look, Ma, no hands. Retail placement here is a little bit different. So you're, it's like walking through Macy's to get to Whole Foods. Okay, we've gotten through the perfume section to get to the grocery store. So we're gonna try and buy what a family of four would buy every week, and we're gonna see what the selection is, and we're gonna see what it costs. Now, Russia is famous for its bread, which is one thing I can assess pretty well. The low-carb lifestyle has not swept Russia. Uh, thank heaven, because, they, I mean, look at that. It's fresh too. Look at that. Oh, come on. Mm. Unicorn and mini mills. All right. Oh, 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 oh. Some kind of Russian wheat cookies. Ooh, we need coffee, don't we? I don't know if this is sugar or flour, to be honest with you, but uh, it looks like a staple, so we should get it. It's a very good looking package. It's gotta be flour, right? And this is Russian wine. It's from Crimea, which not only has the warm water naval base, but also is the source of most of the grapes uh, in this part of Russia for wine. So it's apparently pretty good. Cheese puffs. You check out of a grocery store and you've got gum, razor blades, and candy. Actually, they hide the razor blades because we steal them. But these are all, seem to be Western products. Mars, Twix, Snickers, Milky Way, Bounty, Gillette, Paul's Cough Drops, Mentos. It's pretty non-sanctioned to me, but what do I know? I went from amused to legitimately angry. Um, so we were guessing what this would cost. Everybody here is from the United States buys groceries, and we didn't pay any attention to cost as we were just putting in the cart what we would actually eat over a week. And we all came in around 400 bucks, about 400 bucks. Um, it was $104 US here. And that's when you start to realize that ideology maybe doesn't matter as much as you thought, corruption. If you take people's standard of living and you tank it through filth and crime and inflation, and they literally can't buy the groceries they want. At that point, maybe it matters less what you say or whether you're a good person or a bad person. You're wrecking people's lives in their country, and that's what our leaders have done to us. And coming to a Russian grocery store, the heart of evil, and seeing what things cost and how people live, it will radicalize you against our leaders. That's how I feel anyway, radicalized. We're not making any of this up, by the way, at all radicalized against our leadership that has pilfered our nation, led by a Zionist cabal, because everybody, nearly everybody up there has a dual citizenship with Israel, blackmailed to tax people to death and to literally leave this nation into the pit of hell so that they can live nice and the people can live like slaves. And you wonder why they hate Russia. Interesting, isn't it? Get active, get on the ground, start changing our counties. Rip out that core of corruption. Get in there and put in the people in the county commissions and the sheriffs. That can be you. It doesn't have to be somebody else. Run with a passion and pray into it and let God lead you. Overcome the impossible and take our counties back. We take our counties back. They've got nothing. I don't care what they do in the state. I don't care what they do in the federal. We take our counties back. We own it. And that's how we do this, step by step. And in the end, when we get our counties back, we hold everybody accountable for the crimes that they did against humanity with this darn shot. And we start bringing true godly leadership from the ground up and back into our nation. 
And then we start to see prosperity return because people put their hands back in the ground and we start to raise the food that we need and we start to stop relying on the genetic processing plants to poison us. It's all there. All it takes is in the local communities to get active. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless, good night, thank you, and out for now. Oh, I want to feel something, I just want to breathe again, dive into the deepest dead, oh, I want to feel something.